Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. My junior year, he was like, you've been off this year. Like, what's going on with you? And then I was like, Ugh. and I like came out to him and I was like, I've been dealing with this for the last couple months. Like, that's what's going on. And I started crying and I was like, get over yourself, dude. You are not the first person to come out as a lesbian to their soccer coach. Like, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, the JoJo Siwa's minion makeup of podcasts. Oh I'm Carolyn Bergier. What does that mean? I'm Melody Kamali. And today we're diking out with comedian Nico Carney. You gotta Google it. Like, Google it right now. <laughs> JoJo Siwa minion makeup? Minion makeup. On my Discover page today, is it Bejeweled? Yes. I saw, so- okay. Then I saw all I need to see. Just covered her face in rhinestones okay. to look like a minion. Cool. I don't know. It feels quirky. It feels gay with the culture. So that's us. That's us. Some announcements. Rate and review us, please, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, because you can leave reviews on Spotify now. Who knew? Also join our Patreon. Our Patreon. Melody, what's going on there? So much hot goss. So many deets on your open marriage. We only scratched the surface on here. Me being more chaotic shit talking and lesbian gossip yes we have extra episodes every week we have a discord where we talk about the episodes and like go more in depth and answer questions there and also just like post queer news for 20 bucks a month you get tickets to our stonewall shows and also we have patreon hangs on zoom we had one last night and what a thrill wow that was insane like we can't even talk about it we got gossip yeah we got gossip from our patrons like usually i think it's like people are going to ask us questions but there's always more interesting people than us on the zoom telling us their life stories and our jaws were unhinged so much fun so yeah a lot of reasons also if you don't like ads you can get ad free episodes on our patreon it's very important. Yeah. Please sign up. Actually, Nico, why should people join our patron? Give another reason. Because it's really important to support queer artists and you got to do it. Do your part. <sighs> Nico, you think I'm an artist. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Thank definitely. You. <laughs> Bust out the beret. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Even after watching us bomb our host set at Stonewall <laughs> on Monday, you think we are artists? I loved it. I was a fan. <laughs> Did you know what dinosaur was? I feel like that was part of the battle. No, I was not familiar, but I was yeah. enjoying you guys kind of watching the audience sort through that and then yeah, process that. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're out here trying to do the work and it's just it's hard. Yeah. It's hard, but someone's got to do it. Let's talk about more fun stuff. Carolyn. Yep. What's the gayest thing you did this week? 
the gayest thing I did this week. Well, a couple things. Just today, I posted on Lex for the first time. Whoa, congratulations. Yes. And I posted on Lex too, because people are like, you should post your events on Lex. So the day we're recording this, I have Loves a Pitch tonight at Come On Everybody. And I'm like, oh, this is a no brainer to post on Lex. It's a queer dating show. Mm-hmm. We want the audience full of like thirsty singles. So I post, but I realized when I made my Lex profile, I was like out in Oakland. So like I couldn't even post on Lex, right? I just felt like such a noob. It was like Oakland and then I'm promoting something in Brooklyn. And then I also forgot that I made my handle on Lex professional les and then i was just like very embarrassed about that so i'm just like i don't know so that felt very gay just like posting on lex and spiraling immediately and then deleting and then reposting but also the gayest thing i've been doing is (laughs) i've been just working in my pajamas all week and taking these zoom meetings and People can tell I'm wearing a tie-dye dyke beer (laughs) tank that's just like very comfortable. And when I wake up, I like I don't want to take it off. So they're like, look at this person in their dyke beer (laughs) tie-dye showing up to these Zooms every day. As if the hair is not enough. I know. I know. No shame. Throw some more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just keeping it real. And now everybody knows that, yeah, this is this is the energy that I bring to my freelance work. Uh, Melody, what's the gayest thing you did this week? Okay, well, speaking of merch, speaking of T-shirts, I bought yet another piece of Grover paraphernalia. I am, of course, talking about Grover from the Sesame Street. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Grover. This Grover sits on my desk here. Ah, Listeners so can't see, but that. it's a super Grover. Got <laughs> to pick on the Patreon. There it is. I am obsessed with Grover. Nico, did you watch the Sesame Street at all? I did, yeah. I was a big Elmo guy. <laughs> Elmo, you can't go wrong. The classic. <laughs> so I have a Grover shirt on the way from Depop. So excited. But I was thinking about how Grover's a queer icon. And at some point, a couple of days ago, I Googled Grover is a gay icon just to see what would come up. And I was reminded that in 2018, I remember this, there was a viral thread that a comedian had put out. And it was around the time when people were arguing over whether or not Bert and Ernie are queer. And there was like controversy about that. Do you remember? Yeah. Right, right. So they're like, yeah, absolutely. But that doesn't matter. The truth is every single character on Sesame Street is queer and then goes through all of them and gives a little blurb on them. So it like kicked off with Big Bird, uh, non-binary icon, a <laughs> sexual <laughs> why their best friend is snuffleupagus an older gay man and just like gives like a whole little backstory and as just as proof on why each one is queer so your your boy elmo is sesame street's most famous twink caused mass hysteria when he came out in the 90s everyone wanted to collect him like straight people did with gays then <laughs> uh, uh, refers to him in the third person, gay, yeah. <laughs> has no job, but is literally at every single event on the books. That's very gay culture. Yeah. Yes. Grover, of course, bisexual blue icon. I mean, look at the super Grover coloring. That's the by flag colors. Yeah. <laughs> we got red, blue, purple. And pink. <laughs> I'm so, I love it. I'm so giddy right now. I love Sesame Street. You're just high on Grover. I am. I, you can't explain it. Grover makes me so happy. You know, greets 
Kermit with hey froggy babes tilts <laughs> <laughs> his head to the side when he thinks you said something dumb that's very bisexual I think has a lot of duets refuses to use contractions that's pretty bisexual even the stance, the pictures they use on this thread are great. If you Google, I guess Grover is a gay icon or just Sesame Street gay, you'll see out.com has it all compiled in an article. I'm obsessed. Wait, who's the lesbian? Is it Fozzie? <laughs> no, wait, hold on. It's Prairie Dawn. Okay. Okay. Very prepared, organized lesbian woman has no time for the messiness. So only deals with the gays when she needs to clean things up. The gays of Sesame Street don't appreciate her enough. Plays piano, has a very popular biopic called Carol. <laughs> Wait, Fozzie Bear is the Muppets, but there's crossover with the Muppets there in Sesame is. Street. I yeah. think and that's where I get confused sometimes. I think that's why I don't care as much because Grover isn't repped in Muppets, right? There's right. Gonzo, so. which a lot of people will confuse. There's Gonzo... I feel like, but wasn't Grover in Muppet Babies? I know Gonzo is. I was more of a Sesame Street kid. Yeah. I will say like Maria is one of my roots. Like I was just like in love with Maria. <laughs> as <laughs> We have a friend who has a kid, Anne's kid. Yeah. Is allowed to only watch as far as TV goes. Muppet Babies on Disney Plus, which Jenny Slate is a voice on, is like the main human what who has yeah i noticed the voice immediately best job ever so jealous but i noticed there's no grover that's the first thing i noticed okay so we watch muppet babies and this baby's only allowed to watch that videos on youtube of penguins and drag race clips because she's obsessed with drag queens (laughs) that's (laughs) That's the only thing this year and a half year old is allowed to watch (laughs) Gay, 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 gay. That's great parenting. Obviously, Muppets. I'm sure Sesame Street, we can squeeze in there, too. As we know now, gay canon. That's my gayest thing of the week. Great. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, (laughs) Grover forever. (laughs) Can't wait for that shirt. Um, Anyways, Nico, what is the gayest thing you did this week? The gayest thing I did this week, and I knew it when it happened, (laughs) I was... I was like really tired and I was like laying in bed with my girlfriend and I was just kind of like cuddling on top of her, just like laying there with my face, like buried in her chest. And then like mm-hmm. half asleep started singing Phoebe Bridger's Kyoto to myself. Just oh, like, wow. kind of, she like looked down at me and was like, what are you doing? What are you singing? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that song in particular too. Yeah. Wow. What a mood. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, kind of like, like half asleep dozing off and just kind of like in my own head like singing to myself like not really paying attention and she like looked down and was like Nico what are you doing <laughs> what are you singing right now it's like Kyoto <laughs> I love that so much that's uh, so gay that that is even gayer than you crushing it at our Stonewall show on Monday and making like the entire audience fall in love with it like they were freaking out they didn't know what to do with themselves I like, know it was very um Elvis. It was very the yeah. Beatles. It was very Michael Jackson. It was like you were crushing and everyone was dying, but there were whispers when there would be pause for laughs because we could hear from the tech booth of just everyone be like, oh, he's so hot. He's so cute. He's so cute. Oh my God. <laughs> like yeah. painting. Oh, like God. I had to like be on watch. Like they would have stretchers at those, you know, Elvis shows for <laughs> girls just painting. It yeah. was very heartthrob 
vibes. I loved it. I think you need merch that's like teen beat posters of, <laughs> of yourself and just start selling those at shows because it'd be a hit. I don't know. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always yeah. love doing, I mean, it's always such a joy to be able to be in like any queer space, but especially when it's like a dyke space, like obviously like that's always going to be so much fun. Like the energy in those rooms is always like so warm and so good. So I really Unless you're it. talking about Dinah Shore. Get over it, Carolyn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get over that. That was... <laughs> Uh, we yeah thank god you came and saved the day (laughs) i know truly turned it around you really murdered you're so fucking funny i'm obsessed yeah i'm so excited for us to get to know you today yeah yeah likewise i was just listening to your podcast this morning on my mental health walk boys club yeah could you tell our listeners about the concept of boys club yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's a podcast I started with my really good friend, Connor, who is a cis gay man. And it came out of our a monthly show we do together at Club Coming in the East Village. And we, it was kind of just off the uh, notion that like stand up comedy is a boys club. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like traditionally that is anybody who's not like a cis white straight man. So we were like, oh, this would be a fun title to like kind of like reclaim that space and stand up as like this is the boys club. And it's like queer heavy lineups, women, POC is like who we try to like put up for the most part. We occasionally, we had our first straight man on the podcast this week, 16 episodes deep, one of our good friends who we consider to be one of the good ones. (laughs) But yeah, so on our podcast, Boys Club, we discuss boys clubs we've seen that week. And that's like anything from like dads on vacation to like, you know, people at SoulCycle or anywhere in between, just like silly things we see. And then we ask our guests to come on and tell us about some boys clubs they were a part of we're not a part of and then that one that they would like to create in the world and it's been super fun it's like definitely been just like a passion project of ours just to be like oh this will be a fun chance to like get to know our friends and talk with each other but it's really like it's become like one of the most fun things we do so I've been excited about it yeah I love the concept so much I was listening to the Dylan Adler episode oh he's the best and I had stopped into a bodega to get a coffee and I was like oh my god a boys club is happening right now in front of me all these boys all these men cis men obviously cutting me in line to like because they were like more regular and had more of a rapport with the bodega guy yeah and just like leaning over me and like putting their order in and like slapping money down on the counter. And I was like, I will, I will get in this boys club. I will (laughs) just pick one of the bodega. I did to just like focus on one of the bodegas in my neighborhood and be there every day and then start asserting myself. That's a great one. That is it. That's a, that's a real life boys club. I've, I've been in that situation many times and I'm pretty short. So people will reach over me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Was, uh, being towered over yeah so yeah it was cool to be listening to you guys talk about yours while actively having it happen around me I'm gonna be thinking about it a lot yeah it's been fun because like we'll have friends text us in and be like saw boys club today like and like this my mom loves to tell me when she sees boys clubs in her world <laughs> oh my god yeah. so it's it's like fun that I feel like our our listeners like to like engage in that way which is cool yes man I'm trying to think of some but I think I like block them out for my own mental health <laughs> yeah like, fair, enough. I'm fair. Like, yeah I, I don't even see them anymore <laughs> well this is kind of like a dyke club thing someone told us recently we should start asking our guests their big three but then oh okay do you know yours actually here's a boys club I'm not in is that as <laughs> I am a queer person who is so bad about knowing about astrology like I have friends who are like my girlfriend like can read tarot and is like very into astrology and like my best friend like is also very into astrology so like when people tell either of them their chart they like know what that means automatically and I'm just sitting there like 
Awesome. <laughs> and yeah. so I know my own, but I don't really know what it means all that much. So maybe it'll be of interest to you guys, but I'm a Libra sun. I'm a Scorpio rising and I'm a Pisces moon. Wow. I feel like that makes sense for a performer comedian. All I know is that Libra means I'm balanced and yes. Pisces means I'm emotional. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Scorpio means you're intense. Yeah. Which I don't know. I feel like, I don't know if I vibe with that as much because I feel like I'm, yeah. more, I don't know who's to say. <laughs> Now, I mean, I used to be more like you, but then since really Melody coming into my life, I feel like just through like osmosis, I started like getting to know more about astrology and then it coming up. I'm like, okay, so there are like some signs that I feel like I know a lot about, but also like since opening up my marriage, like anybody that I hook up with, like looking at them through the lens of astrology and like also for my wife, she automatically all of a sudden, like, is all about signs and charts and everything where she never mentioned it before. But now everything is like, well, yeah, they're being that way because they're a Pisces. Like she's, <laughs> you know, like she's some expert. 100 <laughs> percent more in these queer spaces, these parties. Yeah, I got to I got to do the research. But there are some signs like Libra where I'm like, well, I haven't hooked up with Libra, so I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> what right. they're about. Erica Rose is a Libra, Carolyn, if you oh, want to okay. base that off of anything. That's a good Sorry. reference point. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> let's get to know Nico. Yeah. You're from Savannah, Georgia. I am. Yes. I'm just like, wow, people are from there. I know. <laughs> like, I I gotta I gotta know what is that like? Like I know people go there for scad. I know mm -hmm. people go there for you know your bachelor weekend, your bachelorette. How do you be from there? <laughs> How you yeah. be from there? So I I was born in Syracuse, New York, and my family's all from upstate. And then when I was like eight years old, my parents were like, "It is too fucking cold up here. We need to move." <laughs> yeah, they both lived there for like thirty plus years at that point. So Syracuse is the most depressed. Like, yeah, I'm. I grew up in Buffalo for the most part and it's like Buffalo and then Rochester is mm -hmm. like a more depressing version of Buffalo. And then Syracuse is like a greatly more depressing version of Rochester, yeah. but with like mm -hmm. a great school. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So my mom's from Rochester and my dad's from a really small town called Herkimer, which is like near Albany. So they were like, we have to get out of here. And yeah. my dad got a job out in Savannah. So we moved down there. And so I moved there when I was eight. I remember being like, when they were like, we're moving to Georgia, I was like, where is that? <laughs> Which like, yeah, right. I don't know what that says about the New York public school education that I like had eight, <laughs> was like, I don't know that that's a state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prove it. But I was like, well, that's a state I've never thought about before. And then we moved down there. It's a, it's a funky place. Cause it's got like this really old South history. That's obviously like complicated and dark in most ways and then but it's also a beautiful city because it's got all this like old architecture and it's like and the trees yeah beautiful trees moss, it's, yeah it's basically yeah. like an island it's gorgeous like the scenery is gorgeous and then SCAD is there the Savannah College of Art and Design which has brought like a lot of really nice like young energy to the city and more like artistic energy queer energy yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly a lot of cool haircuts walking around there definitely definitely <laughs> so that's been like a nice balance to the existing like kind of old school vibe that it has so it's got this kind of yeah. like dynamic and then also like so many tourists lots of like bachelorette weekends right it, yeah it's a funky it's a funky place so like when I was growing up I was definitely like not as exposed to some of like the SCAD stuff just because I was like more in like the suburb area and SCAD's all downtown but I was back there for a lot of like the height of lockdown. I went home to Savannah and like was working remotely there. And I, I had like such a new appreciation for the city because I was like, 
able to like see like some of the I don't know stuff I didn't see when I was a kid so when I left I was like I'm never fucking coming back here I hate this place but when I went back I was like all right there's actually some decent stuff about it (laughs) yeah I book it for there my parents had to leave the cold in Connecticut and retired down to like South Carolina and I um don't love it there but I just uh, took their car and drove into Savannah one day and mm. became obsessed. Now, every time I'm there, I try to book some extra days so I can stay there. There's something very magical about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I love biking around there. Mm-hmm. A very bikeable city. And yeah, it does feel queer, but maybe that is from the SCAD kids. Yeah, it definitely has some like queer energy. And I think it's like one of the like, because I, I actually started doing stand up down in Savannah because I was like, oh, yeah, I got to know about it. It's a funny scene. It's like it's it was a really cool place to start because it's like, you know, when you're in New York, obviously, like you're exposed to every possible level of comedy at, in like a way that's like kind of crazy. And you're like, I can't believe I was on a show. You know, you guys had a lot of Glazer on your most recent show or before. And it's like, yeah. wow, somebody that famous is like just kind of around. You can see them at a show. That's so crazy. You think that they're like mm-hmm. echelons away from you. But, you know, obviously in Savannah, the ceiling's just a little bit lower and you just like you know, there's, a, it's not as much of a pressure to like be good at anything, you know? So it, it was like yeah. a cool place to start because I felt like I could really like fail at a place where I was like not feeling like that was the end of the world at any point, you know? So yeah. it's a small scene and it's a lot of folks who are like emceeing and hosting and DJ stuff. And then they also like do stand up. So there's like four open mics a week, one show on the weekend and like, that's it. And there's probably like 15 to 20 people that do it. Yeah. So curious. I'm always wondering if I should try to do a show. Yeah. And last time I looked up the open mics and I did bike to one and it didn't seem to be happening. <laughs> so I don't, I didn't know where to look or. Yeah. If you ever go back, I can absolutely like go up with the, with yeah. the connects. You're going to hear some of the craziest, most upsetting things you've heard as uh, is typical with open mics. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> even here. Yeah, it was a funky place to start. And there was a couple scad kids. It wasn't as many scad kids as I would have thought. But actually, one of my best friends now, Jesse Ballard, who's a comedian up here, she graduated from scad and we met doing comedy together in Savannah briefly, but like we're very like acquaintance level. And then I went back for my sister's graduation after I'd moved up here. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm graduating. I'm moving up to New York. And then we connected and we we're like best buddies now. So like it worked out. Nice. But it's a silly place. It's like it's like very friendly. It's very Savannah in that they're like so generous with like giving time. Like one of the first shows I ever did, they're like, do 15 minutes. And I was like, I have five. But OK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's funny, too, in like those smaller cities, because when I go back to Buffalo, I'm like, maybe I'll I'll hit a mic while I'm here. But it's like literally the same like pack of people mm-hmm. doing the same mics every single week and they all know each other and then when you're like this new person signing up they're just like what yeah and I'm like uh, it's it's so uncomfortable I'm like why am I nervous about this open mic in Buffalo <laughs> like what it's scary though especially like I you know it, you would get so used to being able to do like queer rooms and queer spaces and like even just being in New York like people are accustomed to seeing and hearing about queer people but like when you go anywhere outside New York it just it's different even Buffalo yeah yeah I was like talking about something queer and like asexuals and then like afterwards these people came up and they're like oh I had to Google what asexual meant, but once I did, man, that was funny. And I'm like, (laughs) what? Yeah. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) It's definitely like you got to, you got to hold their hand a little bit more and explain a little bit more. Right. Right. So maybe it's good that you get 15 minutes then just to to break it down. Add the educational part. (laughs) Yeah. 10 minutes for explaining. (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh man. Well, you recently got to perform in Los Angeles yes. for Netflix is a joke. Yes, I did. I just watched that set. So good. Thank you. Yes. How was that? I mean, obviously you didn't have to break down any big concepts or did you? No, I mean, it would be hard because it was a five minute set. It was like, you know, yeah. showcase. So they had us do fives for that. So not a lot of time to explain, but thankfully, you know, New York and LA very similar. You can you know, and a lot of that, you know, that kind of show, it's a lot of like industry people or other, you know, people that are related to it. So they know enough, hopefully at that point to like understand, but it was a super cool experience. It kind of happened all really fast. I auditioned for it at the stand comedy club in New York in March. And then like a week or two later, I heard that I got it. And then it was like, yep, you're going to go out there at the end of April for the showcase. And it was like, it just happened really fast. And it was my first time out in LA. So that was like a really exciting reason to go out for it. But the festival was very cool. It It was massive. Like, I feel like every day we were there, they were like adding more shows and more venues and stuff like because it was their first right. time doing it. So it started out like a pretty reasonable sized festival. But by the end of it, there were like hundreds of shows and like hundreds of comedians in it. So it was a really expansive thing. And I'm sure they'll be fine tuning it and continuing to do it next year. But it was very cool. I got to see, I got to meet some like pretty exciting people. I got to meet Beth Stelling and Jay Farrow and Leslie Jones. Oh, they were just like around. Very, very cool. I was, I was pretty starstruck the whole time, but I was trying to keep my cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a whirlwind that turnover yeah. time. Did they, I mean, I assume they flew you out for that. Yeah. Yeah. They did, which was cool. So for a five minute set, you know, meanwhile, we're, we're out here like scrapping for drink tickets and, <laughs> and Netflix <laughs> is like, mm, yes, we'll fly everybody around trip to do five, a tight five. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. The dream. Yeah. They gave us two shows back to back, which was nice. Like there was a 7.30 and a 9. So like if if you were too nervous for the first one, like, you know, you had a chance to do it again, which was really nice. Because honestly, the first one, it's a, you know, it was a pretty big venue that they set us up in, which was very cool. Definitely like the biggest, it was a theater. So the biggest room I've ever played. And the craziest thing, like we did a sound check before and I was like, all right, cool. I understand how loud this is. But for whatever reason, when you get out there and there's all those people, I was like, I don't know. I'm so loud, right? Now. <laughs> like I couldn't like, I was trying to like adjust myself. And so I feel like I wasn't really in it for the first one. So I was glad we had a second one. So right. Like, all right. Now I'm not having to, I know I'm going to be like blasting out of the back of the speakers here. So yeah, just like a different, you know, you're used to like shows with smaller speakers, I guess. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Wow. So fun. So in your act, you talk a little bit about your college days. Where did you go to school? I went to Wake Forest University and I okay. people ask me all the time because the cadence of the joke that I tell, I say, I like found out I was a lesbian in a women's college soccer locker room. And <laughs> my structure of that is like women's college soccer, like as one thing, not women's college soccer, but like people right, are always right. like, oh, which women's college did you go to? And I was like, oh, actually it is not. But like, I keep right. the cadence that way because people think it's funnier. <laughs> so it yeah. uh, works out. But uh, yeah, I went to Wake Forest University and played soccer there. And it's funny. I So I didn't come out until my senior year. I didn't know. I, like, I'd actually been dating a boy on the men's soccer team for two and a half years. So deeply closeted for, for most of college. Wow. But, wow. What was that like? Did, did you know when you were dating him or what were the feelings going on? Or what was your read on the situation? Were you like, oh, this is like as good as it gets? <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely. So when I first got there as a freshman, there was a girl who was on the field hockey team who I was like absolutely infatuated with and like didn't really understand what that was or like that feeling. But I like, you know, now I know like what that was. And so we were, you know, best friends, but I was like completely infatuated with her. And then I started seeing my ex-boyfriend, but I was also like definitely in love with this other girl, but was like, oh, but I have a boyfriend. So it's all good. (laughs) Yeah. But it wasn't like, I think people kind of like were like, 
there's something going on between the two of them, but nothing really was. And then we sort of had like a falling out because, you know, just she got a boyfriend and I was very jealous of that, but like also didn't understand how to process those emotions. So, right, right. Classic. Yeah. So then I like kind of just was like, oh, I guess I'll just date this guy and like not and not think about any of that. So that was kind of like how I was able to like convince myself to stay in that for so long. But then he graduated because he was a bit older than I was. And I was like, oh, he's not physically here anymore. And like in front of me that maybe I can like think about other stuff. So that was like kind of what got me to finally come around to like dealing with some of that stuff. But it's funny because I remember thinking to myself that I was like, oh, fuck, that's what that is. I'm gay. Like I was literally like when all the pieces came together for me, I was in the locker room of our like our team's locker room. And I was like, this is so classic that this is where I'm figuring this out. Yeah. (laughs) And I remember I was like, okay, it was like a Monday. And I was like, all right, I'm going to see my friend on Friday who I know is like out as a bisexual woman. And I was like, all right, cool. I can tell her like, cause wake is very like straight. And like, there were just weren't mm-hmm, yeah. a lot of options for that. And I mean, somewhat in the athletic department, but like not really. So I was like, all right, on Friday, I'll talk to my friend. And then Friday morning, we were in the locker room with my team and we were talking about just like how there's a lot of lesbians in, in women's soccer. I, I don't remember how the conversation came up, but somebody goes, yeah, that's so crazy that nobody on our team is gay. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> It is crazy, though, because you just assume. I mean, we assume because at least the goalie, at yeah. least the goalie yeah. has to be gay. The goalie has to be gay. And also your generation. I, I just the way I look, I'm like, everybody's gay. No, right. I mean, you graduated. What did you say? Like 2019? Yeah, 2019. I heard you and Lindsay talking about college soccer. OK, yeah. yeah. Wild. Yeah. And like there was one girl who was a senior when I was a freshman or maybe she was a fifth year senior. And like, she was gay, but like, it wasn't like super talked about. And then I came out and then there's been a couple girls like after me who have come out and, you know, over time, but like, it was kind of crazy. Cause like, I know on other teams there definitely were, but for whatever reason, like the people who found themselves at our school, and I don't know if it was like partly like the, just the vibe of the school overall was incredibly straight. So it didn't like really encourage that, you know, self-discovery, but I just remember being like, oh, fuck. I literally was like planning to tell people today. And like, this is the conversation. And that came up. Oh, man. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.
Yeah. yeah, it's like it, it's so different and definitely depends on the college because I had a straight friend who went to Dartmouth mm. on a softball scholarship and she was like, Carolyn, everybody on my team is a fucking lesbian and it's starting to mess with my head because I'm like, wait, am I? But I'm not. And I'm like, no, yeah, you're not like, don't don't worry. It's not like contagious or anything. But she's like, but it's literally everybody but me. And I feel really left out. I was like, I know. But like, don't worry about it. But yeah, it's like yeah. such extremes. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like, obviously, it would have been like nice to have some community on the team. But I know that like, right. other teams had some like, some drama because of it. Drama. You know? That's, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard I those stories of, too. Yeah. I have a bunch of friends who play in the NWSL who like play pro now, which is very cool. But they say that like the drama among like the players in the league is like kind of crazy. Cause like getting traded to a different team, but it's like, Oh no, but my ex plays on that team. Like I can't go there. And like that like plays into some of like the trade deals and stuff. So it's like, it's pretty, pretty dicey. Wow. And maybe this is like a little bit aggro of me, but if I was like on a team, like, playing soccer and my ex was on the other team like if I had a chance to follow them would I like I feel like it's too tempting to just be like this is the one time I can like body check them that's gotta happen oh for sure it's gotta happen yeah and yeah it just seems like there's a lot of like behind the scenes like romantic politics going on with that like most fans are like not privy to so it's like I always love to ask my friends that play in the league like what's what's the gossip right now what's going on yeah lizzie bowling who did the show mm-hmm. you guys talked about soccer she'll often like send me pictures and like give me the breakdown of who dated who who's now dating whose ex and like yeah i would have no idea watching these games right. but she watches it as a soccer fan but also as like this little like lesbian gossip who's just like needs to watch how everyone's interacting with each other on the field yeah and right yeah i love having that into <laughs> watching games with her yeah it definitely adds to the game because yeah there's a second level of drama on top of the inherent drama of sports yeah you're not going to get that with the nba no, no. <laughs> i'm like now i gotta buy season passes okay anyway <laughs> i want to watch that go down yeah so you're in college you came out as a lesbian and then what was your journey like from there yeah i so i was out as a lesbian for probably like i guess three years or so kind of towards the end of my junior year of college and my friends and coaches and everybody were really awesome about it my family's really great about it like i was very lucky to have like a very supportive you know my coach we would have these like end of the year meetings to kind of be like kind of like a um you know, how was your year? How was your season? Like pointers for next year kind of stuff. And, you know, a lot of these meetings can be very intense. Like people are very, it's high level soccer. People are intense about it. So a lot of people would like cry in these meetings or like get really emotional or whatever. And I was always like, you will not cry in these meetings. You will keep a straight face. Like, I don't want to like break down in front of him, whatever, you know, healthy relationship stuff. (laughs) And my junior year, he was like, you've been off this year. Like what's going on with you? And then I was like, then I like came out to him and I was like, I've been dealing with this for the last couple of months. Like that's what's going on. And I started crying and I was like, get over yourself, dude. You are not the first person to come out as a lesbian to their soccer coach. Like, what do you think? <laughs> Def not. I was like, you can't be the first person who's cried on this couch because you came out to him. I, I just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I came out when I was a junior and then like my senior year, I was out at school and it was like, you know, mostly fine. Like, you know, like I said, it was a pretty straight environment. So I was like, I definitely like got a level of visibility that was like a little bit, probably more than I would have wanted at the time. I also like cut my hair short because it was long before that and I cut it short. And so like, obviously that adds to a level of queer visibility as well. So that was like, 
probably more than I would have like asked for at the time, but it was, you know, I made it through. It was all right. So since there weren't that many like queer people around and then you're out there looking cute with your your short haircut and people know the deal, like were you getting a lot of curious straight women as is yeah. <laughs> a, a theme of college mostly like yeah. did you get a hoe phase but <laughs> I, d- I definitely did like happened at the very end of my junior year and like the summer I was kind of still just like sorting things through and like coming to terms with everything and then when the senior year started I pretty shortly after that I met this girl who I met through like a friend who ended up being my first girlfriend who's great and we had like a nice relationship and ended kind of abruptly and because she has some like family stuff that just like they're not super great about her queerness so like kind of ended sort of abruptly because of some of that which was a bummer and a tough way to end your first queer relationship but on the plus side on the other end of that I got to go through a bit of a hoe phase in college which was like (laughs) felt very college and very cool but it was a lot of like sorority girls who were like oh you're different than all these frat boys that we usually talk to but like kind of similar I don't know (laughs) so like so I definitely had like my fair share of people who were like I'm not gay but like I'm gonna I'm gonna kiss you at this bar (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Which is like, you know, good and bad. Fun, fun. <laughs> so I got to I got to do that for a bit. And then I graduated and was like not out of school for very long before COVID hit. And so then I went home and then I was like in lockdown in my parents' home uh, in Savannah, Georgia, doing nothing, seeing nobody <laughs> for a while. And then it was kind of like during that time when I was like just doing nothing but like reflecting and sitting and journaling, like I'm sure most people were, mm-hmm. when I started coming to terms with some like gender stuff. And yeah, so I was home for a while and then I moved back up here to New York in February 2021. So like kind of right before vaccines and getting back into life a little bit more. Yeah. So I moved back up here, met a couple trans dudes and I was like, oh, okay, you can do this. That's great. All right, cool. I can do that then. And then I kind of came out and started that process and have been out almost a year as I've been like really publicly openly out as trans and like changed my name publicly and stuff like that. So it's been, it's been good. It's been like a good year and for the most part. Wow. Love that. What a year. Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize it had been like a year. Yeah. Like to have your career kind of taking off, getting like just attention visibly as a trans man, but just like fully like industry attention to like so much visibility. That's wild. Yeah. It's something I definitely have had to like, you know, think about a lot and like balance because, you know, on the one hand, it's like, you know, trans people in comedy, it's like such a buzzword thing right now, especially with like a lot of the transphobia we see from like older comics. And right to some degree, I feel like to counter that industry is like, oh, but like we can find these like funny trans people to be like, we can balance it out, you know, and that's, you know, going to take advantage of that for as long as that is the case. But it certainly is something where I'm like, oh, I'm still like constantly kind of working through these feelings. And it, it is my way of dealing with things is to write jokes about it. And it often is like right. a great way for me to like go through these emotions and think about these things. And I, I do like to talk about it on stage. It's a balance because sometimes I'm like, oh, that was like really vulnerable. And people feel like they can ask me about that, even though it's like, oh, I wrote this joke so that you could hear these exact sentences about this and not every other feeling around it, you know, so Right. right, right. I'm sure you guys have experienced that too. Like, I think most queer performers do. For sure. But it certainly has like, opened me to people being like cool with like asking kind of invasive questions because I talk about it a lot. And it's like, oh, that's not, <laughs> you're, you don't get to know the backstory or the context or anything. You get to hear the 10 minutes I wrote for you to hear. Exactly. Yeah. This is how I process my trauma. And it, like, there's periods at the end of these uh, sentences exactly. on stage. Yeah. Right. 
for sure. It does seem like a lot of people over lockdown had a lot of kind of like reckonings with their gender and transitioning. And I just feel like it must have been because we were all like at home not being seen by anyone. So we weren't Mm -hmm. like performing in society and just got to be like who we want. But I kind of had like almost the opposite experience in that like I couldn't get my hair dyed. So I was like letting it grow out, but then got it kind of like cut short to cut the pink out and then I let my armpit hair grow and I stopped wearing makeup and then I like looked in the mirror I was like no this isn't me and like as soon as the (laughs) pandemic was over I'm just like razor like get it out get back to (laughs) but but yeah I see but like we were all kind of like feeling like let's try this look out and for me it did not work but <laughs> yeah but I'm happy for everybody who who learned I mean I learned something about myself too like yeah you know, yeah yeah confirmed them <laughs> <laughs> I think that like so many people yeah like you said like didn't have to perform anything for anybody you know they're just like at home and hopefully if many people were in places they felt like relatively safe to like really be that and that definitely for me right. part of it I was like you know I'm only here. Nobody's seeing me other than my family who's like, you know, doesn't give a shit. So it was like definitely a point. I like, I remember I was like, I like ordered some boxers on Amazon. Oops. <laughs> and uh, canceled. <laughs> no, right. And like wearing them. And I was like, oh, this feels really good. And I feel like that was like, like uh, step one into being like, oh, I, I really like this. And then, I don't know. And yeah. then like thinking about, I don't know, just, yeah, really starting to unpack that. I read a book. <laughs> I don't remember if I did this joke when I, I think I did. I usually do it when I'm in front of queer audiences but this is a, a true story that like when I came out as queer in college I came out as a lesbian I was like it was literally like a week or two after I read the book Love Simon yes oh uh, yeah yeah and which is like so so <laughs> embarrassing and I remember then uh, I don't know at some point during the lockdown I read this book called Amateur which is about is by a trans writer named Thomas McBee and it's about his like experience just about being a trans man but also he was a boxer like an amateur boxer and the first trans guy to box in MSG for this like charity event. But I remember reading it and being like, damn, I hope this doesn't do to me what Love, Simon did. <laughs> it absolutely did. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're going to get a lot of people flocking to this book, I think, yeah, after listening to this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I do think it's funny because like there are all these like Christian groups that, uh, you know, there's like gay content on TV and they're like, boycott it. Like it, we don't want our kids to turn gay. And it's like, it's not how it works, dummies. But also it is. We just don't want you to know that. Like it's <laughs> yeah. like, like we're born gay, but like something has to activate it and like you know for me it was Michelle Pfeiffer for you it was a book like right right. no totally it's like yeah they're incorrect that it should be policed but they are not wrong that that is how it happens (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) I love that it was literature usually it's like when people talk about it at least like on this podcast it's usually something very visual like tv film sort of medium but yeah black latex (laughs) Michelle Pfeiffer yeah I feel like definitely for like my queer awakening I know I did say two books here but it was like you know I've always been like a big Emma Watson fan you know like big crush on her and then I'm sure a lot of trans people feel like there's just so little representation of like trans people on tv and stuff you know like we're finally getting Elliot Page is getting a lot of like limelight and stuff but like there just aren't a lot so like I definitely identified with like versions of masculinity but I didn't really understand what that mean like I, I feel like as a kid I loved uh <laughs> there's like pictures of like teenage Simba and I was like whatever that is <laughs> oh my god yes <laughs> I was like I identify with that 
as a bisexual, I was <laughs> also looking at teenage Simba, right. but in a different <laughs> way. <laughs> wow. Just unlocked something. <laughs> <laughs> so you can definitely like trace it back, but I feel like in terms of like actual, like, Hey, you can have this experience. There's not a lot of like options for that. So like, I hope that there continues to be more. It's funny. My family has been very good about me being out and, you know, pronouns and names and all that good stuff. And my grandma actually is like really, really good about it. She's, you know, 75 and I've never really had any issues with her. And like part of the reason I think is because she's a huge fan of the voice. And there was like this trans dude who was a contestant on the voice this year. So I think she was like, Oh, okay. That's Nico. Great. Got it. (laughs) My mom watches the voice and talk to me about transness because of watching the voice. Like it's, I love it. Yeah. Not just like cast and written roles. Reality TV actually probably like packs a bigger punch these days because it is actual people. We get their video package about, you know, their actual life story before we get to see them perform. We learn all that about them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Shout out to the voice. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem like Melody brought up how much younger you are than us. And like we (laughs) just like grew up at different times. And sometimes you could just feel like it must be so easy now. But it's it's probably not that much more like even though that stuff is still out there, there's still I feel like this cognitive dissonance from like whatever you're experiencing and dealing with like the normal human emotions of growing up and like these like big like truths about yourself that that you can't like wrap your head around I don't know because now we're like it should, you should just see a TikTok and be like uh yeah I'm gay it's like how could people right. not know their sexuality or what their gender is at this point people are laying it out and have you know fun background music to it uh right. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, like, I think just by like a year or two, because when I came out in 2018, it was a little bit pre TikTok. Mm -hmm. So like, I remember I had like one queer friend at Wake, and I was like talking to her a lot. And she was like, yeah, you should like go on Tumblr, watch the L word and like starter pack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That and that was kind of the still and like, that was the vibe. Still, that was like kind of the resources that were available. Yeah. And it's funny, just even like a year or two later, like kind of like TikTok kind of got big after I think really during COVID is when it really took off. But like yeah. it was certainly right. after I was out of college. So like my girlfriend came out more recently, like kind of sorted it out during the pandemic. And she was somebody who like kind of was more exposed to like TikTok stuff. So I was like, I feel old even a little bit in that, that I'm like, oh, I was pre, like I didn't have like TikTok options. But like then for like gender stuff, it definitely like for that awakening was like a little bit more present. I was like, oh, I can like watch any like trans dude creator who's on here and there's you know 50 of them and I can like go through and like see all their stuff and like that's really cool because it's especially when you don't get to like meet or see people all the time like it's so nice that they're like you can just like look up like trans man on TikTok and there will be you know a bunch of guys talking about their lives and their stories and their medical processes and it's just like I'm so grateful that that's a resource that people have now because it makes it I think a lot easier to like understand that it's not just you who has these feelings and like there are people who have done it and live to tell the tale and like it's coming straight from them it's not like a cis writer writing about their experience like they're telling you what their thoughts are on it and there's you know yeah you can scroll for days on it so it's really right pretty cool and they're showing you like you're they're literally taking their testosterone and documenting their yeah. voice and it's just yeah so raw yeah wow TikTok. Yeah. But I was definitely like my, when I first came out as like queer, I was like watching the L word and 
the old school way of <laughs> coming to terms with everything. <laughs> That's good to know. I was yeah. like, yeah, when does that stop? It definitely is slowed down. Obviously, like it's dated. It's so problematic. We don't need it anymore. But yes, but but as like a point of conversation, like I, it's less about like this is going to teach you about the queer community and more about like this is in the zeitgeist and you just kind of have to when people are like, oh, you're a Jenny, like you must know what that means. Right. <laughs> yeah, it definitely made me be like, oh, I have to move to a big city and then just have like all gay friends, which I ended yeah. up doing, which is amazing. So I'm, I'm lucky that that's like the life I get to live. In. That's what I did yeah. because of the L word. Like I know a lot of people who legit said they moved to L.A. because of the L word and they're like, yeah, I guess this is where the lesbians are. And then they went out there and they're like, oh, wait, they're all mean out here. <laughs> Let me move back. <laughs> yeah. I feel like L.A. gives like gay and New York is more queer. Yes. Yes. That's the kind of vibe I, I got. Yeah. Nico, is there anything else you want our listeners to know? Definitely. Like if you've liked me on this, please check out my podcast, Boys Club. It's on Apple Music and Spotify. It's a lot of fun. And then I have a monthly show at Club Coming. If you're in New York, definitely come out. We are we were talking about Lex earlier. I have tried to post on Lex to promote it so many times. And every, like a lot of shows, I'm like, is anybody here from Lex? And it's crickets. So I've been trying to get more like, you know, the queer audience. Interesting. Yeah. Club Coming is like a very, you know, it's a queer space. It's a gay space, but it's certainly like cis gay men heavy, which is great. Mm-hmm. Right. I've been trying to like expand our audience to be a little bit more queer and a little bit more diverse in that. So if you're right. listening and you've liked me, please come see Boys Club, our monthly show at Club Coming. Our next one is, uh, it's always the end of the month. So last Friday of the month. Is Alan ever there? I've never seen him. I think maybe he pops in sometimes, but he's really yeah. good about like, he'll promo the shows on his Instagram. I think the booker Aww. and him yeah. have a good relationship about being like, hey, like we need to sell tickets for this. We put it on your Instagram. So he's he's good about doing that, but I've, I've never met him. I've heard amazing things about him that he's yeah, just yeah. like one of the nicest people and very, very generous and like supportive. Yeah. So I've heard the same. Yeah, That's what's going on with me. So check it out. Cool. I'm going to do that tonight. I'm going to, I'm like afraid to ask though, because then it'll be like, well, there's one bomb. <laughs> Anyone here from Lex? Crickets. Okay. <laughs> great, great start. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. All right. Yeah, we do have one more question for you, Nico. Do you have any gossip for us? Any gossip? What about any controversies that are like going on right now that you're like, oh, this is ridiculous. Like the Fletcher Becky controversy. I don't know if you're up on that. I'm not up on that. We haven't talked about it on the main. (laughs) Yeah. Do you scroll TikTok? Do you see like TikTok drama? Yeah. So I like also similar to the astrology stuff. I'm so bad about keeping up with stuff like that. But my girlfriend and my friend Jesse are very good about like being on the pulse of that stuff and keeping me updated. So I understand that she like name dropped an ex and her song and people are upset about that. Her yeah. ex is, and I didn't even realize she named the song <laughs> Becky is so hot. And Becky yeah. is the current partner of her exes. So yeah. she doesn't even name the ex. It's yeah. the, it's the new girl. I, I get, yeah. I get the urge to create and write about heartbreak and strong feelings, but I feel like if you want to be like, I'm above this and I'm over it, like don't name a song. Like that's a song that's out there forever. And now everybody will know that you like, you were not over it. Yeah. <laughs> not a good way to like win the breakup. I feel there's a lot of names that rhyme with Becky. Yeah. You can yeah. go <laughs> or, like any other name really. <laughs> yeah. Most names. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think the name rhymes with anything in the song. She just really wanted to, to use the name. Actually, yeah, you don't need to rhyme. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that 
Fletcher definitely wanted everyone to know that she is not okay with it. I think that was like the the point of the yeah. the song. I think if her ex wasn't also like an influencer who's in the public space, who I think is also very much benefiting from this and also benefiting from being like, how dare she mm-hmm. bring my new girlfriend into it? I don't know. She's definitely making a lot of money off of her reaction videos yeah. to this song. I'm still team Fletcher. Yeah. The ex is an influencer too. Yeah. Man. That's drama. Less drama. The thought of like that kind of like being so public makes me so nervous. <laughs> like I just would not be good about that. Yeah. yeah. So your girlfriend is a comedian. She is. Yeah. Do y'all talk about each other in your sets? A little bit. I have a joke uh, about having a girlfriend that I do like interchangeably. And then she has a joke about me that is also very, is very funny about like basically the, the punchline being like trans men are still men. <laughs> just like me being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we talked about each other. It's it's really nice to like we met doing comedy and like hit it off like instantly and had like a very instant connection and we're like best buddies. So it's really fun to get to like watch her successes and you know, we understand each other's worlds really nicely and we have all the same friends and stuff. So it's very it's very nice. I I, I feel very lucky. She's the best. Do you have ground rules? I'm just asking. My girlfriend's uh, stand-up too. Oh, great. And we met doing stand-up in Chicago in the scene there. And we didn't establish any rules before we went long distance. And she moved here and I was still in Chicago for a while. So mm-hmm. then she came back to Chicago and was up at the Laugh Factory. And I went to her show and I was like, wow, that's intimate. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to like have a conversation like what flies, what doesn't, or at least if there's a new one, do we run it by each other? Yeah. So I'm always curious about comedian couples and how they navigate that. Yeah, I definitely, anytime I'm going to say anything about her or write about her, I'll definitely be like, hey, like, I'm. this is the joke. Is that cool with you? Or like, I'm going to talk about this. Is that okay? Like even today at the beginning of the podcast when I was talking about like the Kyoto story, I was like, I just want to make, like, I'm just want this is how I'm going to word it. Is it cool if I like mention you and stuff? So just so wow. not everyone feel like Healthy. in any way disrespected or that like I would be bringing something up that she doesn't want to hear about. So yeah. Yeah. And she's also very good about asking me about like doing jokes and stuff before she, she runs them. So we have a pretty good like dynamic in that way. Love it. It's funny. I I talk about my wife a lot and she's not a comedian, but she's just like such a big part of my life that it works its way into my material. And somebody the other day was like, oh, I was at that show you did at Union Hall. And I kept thinking, I hope her wife isn't here. I'm like, oh, my wife's like second row recording and like (laughs) laughing louder than anybody. And they're like, oh, what a relief. I'm like, yeah, you think I'm just like around like making these jokes about my wife without her knowing about it and her not being yeah. okay with it? Like, right. come on. I should say Allie was riffing at the <laughs> Laugh Factory show. She was riffing and I was like, well, we got to talk about if that's going to be a permanent thing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they extend the same like assumptions that like when like, you know, straight guys are like, my wife sucks. And it's like, yeah, true. yeah we're not doing the same yeah, that's not the same thing. We are not the same. <laughs> right. I know. I'm like, what What am I, a cis man? Like, right, right. <laughs> come on. Yeah. Yeah. Goes for this podcast, too. People will reach out and be like, you need to be nicer about Allie on the podcast. I'm like, I run everything by Allie. She loves it. She like when I if I talk about her and she has a podcast, too, we'll have each other listen to an edit if we yeah. think it's something that they should like be discerned about. I don't know. Yeah. People's parasocial relationship to you, it's its crazy. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't we know it? Well, that's another episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nico, where can people follow you on social media? On all platforms, I'm just at Nico Carney. Right? Yeah, Instagram, Twitter. 
I technically have a TikTok, but I've never posted anything on it. So <laughs> no need to follow me there. But you're in good company. You're in yep. good company. Same. <laughs> Amazing. Give him a follow. And you can follow us at Diking Out Everywhere. And you can follow me at TGI Carolyn. You can follow me at Melody Kamali. I'll post my new Grover shirt when it arrives. Yes. <laughs> and thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next Tuesday. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.